0: all right welcome to now this is podcasting i'm your host connor and i have my co-host Jaden e? and our former guest calvin good to be back and we are continuing our our, two, our tour series uh, on Denis Villeneuve. and this is probably my favorite movie he's put out uh blade runner 2049 um this is of course going to be our last in the series uh leading up to dune which is coming out later on uh this month and uh, i'm excited to kind of wrap this one up it's going to be sad to watch other films you know by other directors you know? <laughs> yeah because i've just I've, I've for the most part loved most of what we've seen by him yeah yeah even though I, your
1: favorite one prior to doing this podcast you didn't I,
0: yeah I, well no i think i've liked this one the most yeah after seeing it but before that arrival was definitely like top of my list i think is what he done but after yeah. after yeah after revisiting and i was like wow this misses out on a lot of the stuff yeah and i think this is a a culmination of a lot of Different aspects of Denis Villeneuve's films like this has like really good action bits in it It's of course beautifully filmed which I think all of his stuff has been Uh, I think he gets really good performances Um, Yeah, I'm I'm I am fascinated by this film Uh, Jane what are your first impressions of this?
1: Um, It's beautiful a like this the aesthetics of this movie are fantastic Uh, Ryan Gosling does an amazing job per usual Um, Besides remember the Titans he's a great actor
2: i forgot he was in that Yeah, he's, he's a fucking liability on defense I forgot
1: all about that. <laughs> um, oh
2: God. that's actually what his name is in the credits
1: <laughs> <laughs> but no it's a very very good um i would highly recommend this movie um as far as ones we've done from from denise this is my second favorite for sure what do you put above it enemy Dang, I don't want yeah. to say I always
0: forget about that one, but every time it's mentioned, I'm like, oh, man, it's right up there. Yeah, it's so it good. Yeah.
2: yeah. What's crazy is uh, I would cr- I would describe Denis as the auteur of style. Like he, Ooh, that's a really yeah, yeah, like a really nice he's way gonna take it. your your shitty ass script and give you a, a really really good. I mean, look at what Arrival was like without someone with his vision. That's a, that's a that's a that's a five point eight. That's an original. Blade Runner yeah. type movie. Th- I mean, that's a, that's like a genuinely bad script and we, we cover that extensively, but yeah. that
0: movie looks amazing.
2: Yeah. But so like, honestly, like it's weird comparing enemy to Blade Runner 2049. Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah. Enemy to Blade Runner 2049, because I would say that enemy is my favorite film, especially before all of the psychology, all of the Jungian symbols and just all of that, that rich subtext. But then you have Blade Runner 2049, which really goes farther with a lot of those, um, the biblical symbols and, uh, how, how how the world is built and then how it's shot. It's There's not a lot of really interesting camera work in Enemy. There's some, but it's really about um, how that is built. But in Blade Runner 2049, you have the visuals, you have the sound. Uh, I mean, I went into this thinking like, okay, I don't really love Blade Runner, um, but I love uh, Denis. And I I know that I have very high hopes that he's going to take something that was mediocre and make it amazing. And I mean absolutely he did like he elevated every element of the original blade runner to uh, a higher level i mean you're talking about sound design the cinematography character development symbolic references every element was preserved like this is what the heart of blade runner was and then enhanced. which is yeah i i have nothing short of wonderful things to say about this film
0: yeah uh i totally agree with Jaden. i love the aesthetic of this film i don't think there's a film that has just a better vision for what it wants to be uh, like all the time, like from from opening up on like that sort of like worm farm that we go to the protein mm. farm yeah. to Las Vegas to the closing fight like at the waterfront, uh, just the aesthetic everything that's captured on screen is amazing. Uh, I think again, uh, Ryan Gosling is great. Harrison Ford was available, uh, <laughs> which is really nice. And uh, Anna Ar- Anna de Armas. Ana de Armas, because she's dang. she's Cuban. We, yeah okay. She does amazing too. And uh, Dave, yeah, in I the beginning. I am totally bought by her. I've totally bought into her character, like this because she's she's not real. It's just yeah. like kind of this hologram. But I I totally buy into like the 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 feelings she has for Kay in this. Mm-hmm. I I think you get a lot of really good performances out of this uh, out of the cast. Uh, yeah, I I absolutely love this film. Yeah.
1: Dave Bautista in the beginning does very well. Too. Yeah,
2: he's wonderful. He's, in this. He's, yeah, he's fantastic. You yeah. he said he's, Dave, and I was like. I missed the reference. And then I'm like, (laughs) oh, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, friend of the podcast, Dave. (laughs) Yeah,
0: No, he's, he's, he's my boy. He's really good in it for just as little as he is. Like just, he's wonderful.
2: That scene too. I mean, the, the way it's shot again is so much different. Like there is so much more of that neo-noir style that, um, was kind of in Blade Runner, you know, a lot of, a lot of shadows, a lot of Misty, whatever, but, when Dave, uh, when Bautista, when Sapper walks into the kitchen. You can kitchen. call him
0: Dave. We already established. Right yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Him Dave. <laughs> Sapper. I talked about it. I talked to him. We'll
2: talk. <laughs> when he walks into the kitchen and the camera slowly follows him to see um, Kay with his head bowed in the shadows. And he's just, you know, washing his hands at the sink. There's so much said with just the way the camera is moving. Ridley Scott doesn't understand any of that. There wasn't a single shot like that in all of Blade Runner. And Denis brings that to every single one of his scenes. So, yeah, like I I again, he understands how to treat the material. Yeah. yeah.
0: And and I think if you are interested in our thoughts on Blade Runner, uh we put out a commentary on that as well, uh leading up to our review of Blade Runner 2049. Um So you'll probably hear us reference that film quite a bit, but it is interesting, kind of the contrast between these two. Something that takes place in the same world. I just, it's amazing to me the total kind of difference in like the what you're seeing put to screen. One is like you said, one elevates kind of the source material it had, and which I think is odd. I think usually you get like a sequel, especially a sequel that's coming out decades after Mm -hmm. its uh, its its predecessor. I think it's really fascinating that you could get something that is. Like, honestly, like, it's tonally so much better. It's visually so much better to watch. I think it has a better story. Uh, the characters are much more uh, fleshed out in this. Um, it's not very often, I think, that you get a film that comes out, especially just so long after, that, like, yeah. can capture the essence of the original, but,
2: like Calvin said, improve upon it.
1: Oh, massively. Massive improvements. hmm
2: And, I mean, what I love, too, is, like, you know, you had some of those those aerial shots, those kind of cityscapes in the original Blade Runner. But we've seen with Sicario and Arrival that Denis knows how to capture the essence of the shot, like that reflects the the nature and the atmosphere of the whole film. And once again, he brings that to everything. When they're flying, when they're flying out over all of the farms, it's very interesting. You see lights and little machines working down below. You can it's there's there's life and there's uh there's there's more to just it being like like a shot you know this is a building this is an edifice you have um the wide range of the of the buildings with the ads over them you have him um flying through the desert through old Vegas I guess right
0: yeah and i I love that you brought up old Vegas because that's you're sort of introduced to that in an aerial shot again but it's in a different way it's through his drone that detaches from his vehicle yeah and so it's it's cool again because it's still an aerial shot, but you know you hear K in the in the background. He's like, "Oh, you know, elevate two hundred meters. You know, zoom in times three or whatever." Yeah. And so it's it's another aerial shot, but you're introduced to it in sort of a different dynamic way. And I think you also get a different aerial shot when he's flying over kind of that like kind of trash. Scene. Oh, and he goes to
1: San Diego, and yeah. it's literally just a toilet for Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, it reminds me of that scene from uh, Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, where it does. Just, yeah, where they just that's where they dump all the trash. Yep. Uh, this is much more, I think, aesthetic. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but I, I again, I think you get these great aerial shots. But I think they're sort of each kind of area you get introduced to in a different way, like. Uh, I, yeah, I I can't get over how good he is at the aerial shots. I'm surprised you didn't mention his aerial shots in Enemy with the spider over Toronto. Yeah, there's that's, the that's one of my favorite the one. that is the one. I think it's has.
2: I think it's nice. I think it's cool. Um, it's not my favorite part of Enemy though. Um, I, I think actually just, think like, I
1: think it's just tonally it fits. Whereas like good. your favorite yeah. parts of Sicario and Arrival are both aerial shots, and you were very clear on those points.
2: Yeah, those those literally, I mean, like, I, I think the one in, in Arrival is about somewhere between 30 seconds and a minute. The one in Sicario is only about eight seconds. But honestly, like, I, I think the, the box art for Enemy, where it's that cityscape with the spider, um, like, coming out of Jake Gyllenhaal's head, there's so much said right there with that box art. Yeah, you're right. I, I think I honestly think that sh- that that shot is better in service of that um, than it is within the own, within yeah, the film.
0: You're probably right. And again, this is supposed to be a, a review of Blade Runner 2049, but this is essentially us wrapping up this series on Denis yeah. Villeneuve. So I I welcome and I hope that the listener is also uh, ready to listen to kind of kind of the th- threads that we've pulled through all these films and kind of tie them all together and recognizing like strengths that he brings in each film kind of adaptations and uh, different bits that you can call back to. And so I I love kind of having having this available as conversation because we've now watched so many of his movies. And so I love being able to call back to those. So he should do an MCU
1: uh, movie
2: oh can that you that would imagine? be
1: fascinating dude I think it would be amazing it
2: would be the best one they have if you did like
1: a Doctor Strange movie
2: oh my gosh that would be so cool yeah that would
1: be great I want to see him elevate a Squirrel Girl uh, dude if script. they cast if they do <laughs> Squirrel Girl and they do not cast Anna Kendrick's a Squirrel Girl <laughs> a will boycott marvel <laughs>
2: my god yeah i don't understand why people don't think she's uh, attractive either i think she's so cute and that would be a, she is
1: crazy hot dude yeah, yeah. absolutely
2: and that would be an even funnier like especially like if she agrees to it like you would understand like there's a level of humility like yeah, oh there's kinda, a, like she does
1: a interview with fallon where she's like oh i'd love to play squirrel girl oh my yeah. gosh
2: that would be amazing yeah squirrel girl Directed by Denis Villeneuve, even <laughs> know. This podcast, <laughs> this podcast, said it, this podcast said it first. That's, I will that's what help
1: I a GoFundMe. Like yeah, I, would I will. Love to see I mean, I will start. I won't put any money into it Marvel, <laughs> Marvel needs your help to fund it. First. You're right. Let's <laughs> see if I give them enough money, they'll you know maybe support my idea.
2: Yeah, right. You just send in your fan fiction. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, do we have any more thoughts on the the look of this film?
1: Um, other than it's fucking stunning, I don't. Okay.
0: Yeah, we yeah. can move into some of the, the score. Oh yeah, which gosh. is
1: amazing. I think
0: there's so much of the score in the original movie that just doesn't work. It, mm. it's, it's it's sounds that feel like they make sense in that world that they've set up. They're just used in the wrong
2: scene. Yeah, like you still have to like, it's the 80s, you know, whatever. We're getting into to synth and whatever. You still need to understand that, that music still works the same. Like modes uh uh you know modes emote certain uh feelings like if you're just not going to pay attention to those anymore then you're you're creating terrible music i don't understand yeah. why they did that
0: they yeah. have like a it's like kind of this noir synthy sound which sounds like oh i'm just a i'm just a girl on the these lonely streets <laughs> but that whole that that music that mode is taking place during a scene where one of the replicants is getting shot to death and it doesn't fit that scene at all where i think everything in this every bit of the score in this totally fits it, yeah. it it enhances the aesthetic uh i want to talk a little about about there's like kind of like a revving sound of like an yeah. engine building up and it's, it's so interesting to me like this idea of like is it diegetic or non-diegetic sound like because it sounds like it's coming from like the because Kay's vehicle is on the it's on screen so at first i'm like i thought it was his vehicle yeah. but then it kind of fades into the score and it just, again, it builds into that aesthetic. It's the score supporting everything that you're seeing on screen. And I love it.
1: Yeah, no, it's great. I think uh, you see Denis Villeneuve in any in an indirectial uh, standpoint in the movie. You're like, oh, it's going to look and sound amazing. Mm. Regardless of whatever else is going on in the movie, it's good those two aspects are always going to be home runs for him.
2: Yeah. And I love like, so Johan Johansson did the last two films. I'm not actually sure if he, he's actually passed away. I don't remember when he, when he died. Um, If it would have been, this time frame, I think he would have died after this came out, but I love that they went in, you know, we talked about in Sicario and Arrival, it was more of a minimalistic score and here it's very oppressive. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's crunching, it's metal, it's grinding, it's, and I love how that engine revs, um, that sound and dies into the music and it just keeps doing it again, letting you know that it is a part of the score. It's intentional, but it's also like a feeling coming out of being in the city. Right. And it
0: it was, a Hans Zimmer and Mm -hmm. Benjamin, uh, Wallfish did the uh, score for this. Yeah. It, Which you can't go wrong with Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer is also doing the score for Dune. Yeah. As well. Mm-hmm. So this will yeah. be, that'll be the second time him and Denis Villeneuve have worked on a film together. Again, I just think you can't go wrong with Hans Zimmer doing a score. Yeah. And you can't go wrong visually with having Denis Villeneuve uh,
2: uh, directing it. you know. Yeah. And you know, one thing, though, uh, like having Hans Zimmer, like obviously everything Hans Zimmer did in Interstellar, like the music really carries the emotional burden there. There are so many scenes here. There's just no music. And it's so well shot and so well acted. We don't need the music. And that, again, like that's not something that was really in Blade Runner, like the original, like the music was just kind of ever present and like kind of pulled away from all of these really poor set pieces. But here, it's just, there's so much going on that we don't need the music until it, we get back out in the city and we're just crushed by the oppressive force of being still left on earth. We're a certain social class and the music reflects that.
0: Yeah, yeah I, I have one more thing about the look, I guess. One of the problems I had with Blade Runner is I feel like, while I do believe your film can take place in kind of one setting and still be interesting... I think that film would have lent itself to like kind of appearing in kind of places that it look different. Everything about that movie looks the same all the time, I think. And I love the different environments you go to in this. Yeah. Where it's like Los Angeles is always cloudy and stormy. And then you get to your your kind of like trash town. Yeah. Yeah. It's still cloudy, but it's like it it has such a different feel to it, you know. And then you
1: get to Vegas and it's like All that orange aesthetic. Uh,
0: I guess originally there was some concept art that uh, it would be kind of dark grayish similar to kind of your trash town yeah and it was going to be kind of harrison ford with just like uh fields of corn that he had kind of tilled and with surrounded by like all these concrete structures i think that would have been a neat aesthetic too like don't get me wrong i do love what they ended up with but i think there's so many good ideas on the concept art for this there's so many i'm so in love with the aesthetic of this film that before we started recording this i actually went and bought the uh the art of blade runner 2049 the the uh coffee table book and i'm excited to keep looking through it it's 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 i just love the look of this film yeah i
2: love the look of this film so much too like especially ryan gosling i went and got my hair cut yeah dude <laughs> it looks great yeah i sat down and was like give me the ryan gosling she was like what are you talking about I, was like, Sorry. I have a he picture he has the same haircut in every movie he's in what do you mean what am i talking about yeah exactly like i'm probably gonna fire you i probably would have laughed hard
1: over. if you came in here looking like him from remember the titans because it's the only time his hair is different right. <laughs>
0: so uh i guess speaking of ryan gosling do we want to move on to Kay, the character yeah. he's portraying yeah i like, i think he acts in a especially at the beginning of the film he acts in a really subtle ways he has a lot of these like kind of micro expressions like keeping his head down when he's like walking past cops and you know because he is a replicant and everyone looks at him differently and he's just got like little little bits that he pulls off like uh coco he's like uh talking about spinner and how he buried uh those sapper. bones yeah
1: sapper i keep wanting to say uh, spinner yeah yeah so no, they like keep calling no. ryan gosling skinner this reminds me of the simpsons
0: yeah skinner but uh but Coco says he's like pretty sentimental for a skin job and you just get this quick oh,
2: look. And and Coco is the, the polka um, dot man. Yeah, polka dot man, David yeah. Desmoshan. Yep. So he's the dude that's uh uh doing the autopsy, right? Yeah.
0: He's yeah. also gonna be in Dune. Like I said, I think he yeah. kind of picks kind of the people that he knows will like fulfill these roles yeah. well. But I just love like the, the little things and like you said, like they, they put like like fuck off Skinner on his uh apartment door. Yep. But he's still, he just, he's just carrying out his duties. He's just, whatever, this is like my life, this is my job, this is just what I do. He gets like these little ridicules throughout his whole life and he's just continues carrying carrying on until you slowly build to like, maybe he's potentially something else in this film. And I love that kind of, that, that slow burn, that crescendo yeah. into what he might be. Well, I, love, there's that. I love how he starts and kind of how he ends in this.
1: There's a dialogue between him him and Dave Bautista in the beginning where, uh, where he's like, oh, because my my uh, my models don't try to not they don't, don't try to run away from death or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah. Cause yeah. He, he's like, oh, do you like killing your own kind? He's like, well, we don't run.
1: So. Yeah, and, uh, and he's like, that's because he's never seen a miracle or whatever. And like, mm-hmm. literally, that's just like kind of that that dialogue right there just is representation represented throughout the entire film after that. Yeah, which is its baseline the baseline story of the film.
2: Yeah, I do love thinking of this film like like what what is this film in in a way that like I don't ask af- ask that question with Blade Runner. I I think this is honestly like I think it's so it parallels so many uh uh items like in the beginning of um of the early Christian church. Like I really think of this as like the beginning the burgeoning of the um of a new religion for a new people being the replicants cuz you have someone uh He's basically, it's basically racism um, in this case. Yeah, it is. Because it's literally like, it's literally skin. Like, so it's like the fact that they keep referring to skin, whether or not it's not what the color, it's the uh, synthetic nature of it in this case. And so you have these people that, you know, they've been, slaves they've been um just a part of the system and then they start to question you know is there more than this and i love that line more than more than human yeah and because that's more that human than human more that's human the, than uh, human yeah. that's yeah.
0: the tyrell like that's their little uh, s yeah. yeah wallace
2: and it was and it's just a yeah. throw yeah. well it started out as tyrell and then wallace yeah. takes over yep. yeah. yeah yeah and it's just a throw away whatever who cares about that in blade runner and here it's the point right but yeah i love i love k because you know he's living the aesthetic life, basically, and then um, he's living the life handed to him until he's confronted by the possibility of deeper purpose. And what? What? And I love this this idea. Like here, like a lot of Jung, um, uh, the way he looks. Like those have listened to our podcast before, Carl Jung. Um, oh my God! Are you hopping on the Carl Jung train? I have to. All aboard! But turn up,
0: the-
1: <laughs> Carl. Carl. <laughs>
0: All right, we're on board, Calvin.
2: All right. (laughs) Conduct us. Good. Okay, so Carl Jung being uh, a psychoanalyst uh, akin to uh, Freud, um, the way he deconstructs uh, old myths is all in terms of uh, inner dialogue, characters representing... um, aspects of a of an individual's subconscious and i think that absolutely is happening here i think all of the characters are really in service of k as he goes through his journey um you know obviously like joy is an anima expression it's his idea of all of the the feminine qualities within him if you look at a lot of his care like his conversations with her it's it's he's telling her things that he wants like you're free to go wherever you want now i think that's so poignant when you start to think of this like it's him, what he want, would want someone to tell him.
0: I love his relationship with Joy, too, because he can't really have a relationship with real people because they don't view him as a real person. And the closest thing he has to a real relationship is with something that's less of a real form of a sentience than he even is. Mm-hmm. And so I, I love that kind of dynamic. It's like, he, it's like you keep kind of going down, like kind of this hierarchy of like sentience. Yeah. And it's like he's below humanity and the only person he can have a relationship with is like this bit of technology that's even below him. I, I and I think that you could maybe write that character off and be like, oh, it's just like a little hologram that falls in around. I, I really think there's a great character. No, she's I think she's two. massive yeah. in this yeah. movie. Yeah.
2: She's so great. Uh, it, a lot of great movie. visuals too. Like when she walks out into the rain and she's like, we I mean we we hang on her uh being uh having her hand out in the raindrops for a long time. More than just like you would imagine, like, okay, this is the exposition. We're showing that she's holographic and she's feeling for the we like start to actually. This is the same case in like Sicario with the with the caravan. We hang on to that shot and we start to get more out of it. Why does why are we still looking at the hand? We start yeah. to get in the head of the character and feel those ourselves. Yeah,
0: you know, we talked a bit about in our Blade Runner commentaries, like, well, why is the scene still going on? <sighs> But you talk about lingering on, on that scene with the hand. But like that means something. There is there's, it does, there's yeah. emotion built into that scene and, and you in a short amount of time you you've become really sympathetic for Kay. And so because you're sympathetic for Kay, you care about the things he cares about and the thing he cares about is joy. Yeah. And so you mm-hmm. care about the scene lingering on her and her experiencing this. And that's a that's what this film does really well that Blade Runner doesn't do.
2: Yeah, and it really I mean, it, it really hits hard actually when uh, um, he's given her the emanator and they're out on the balcony in the rain. And there's this real emotion there. Like as far as like, ah, I put all of who I am onto this projection, um, this, this literal projection of, uh, of myself and they, they start to get intimate and then she freezes. Yeah. And he gets that incoming call and it is just like, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. dude. It is. I was like, Oh, man, he was having
1: a moment. He probably never gets those, dude. Like, Yeah. That's why I think that relationship between the two is so, like,
0: it's so heartfelt and so believable. Yeah, it's huge, Because when it stops, like, me as the audience, I'm like, oh, no. Like, I hate that he had to go through that. And that to me is just, because it's a really quick amount of time to introduce joy. Mm -hmm. And it it matters.
1: It does. And then, like, even after he ends the phone call and she's still just still there. And he starts, he's like, okay, I gotta go do my duty. He starts walking away. I'm just like man he has got to be like so heartbroken right now. Yeah. There's no way or not.
0: Like I love that we're gushing about this movie yeah, yeah this is uh, this is one of the reasons I wanted us to do a series on this director cuz yeah. I I I absolutely adore this film. Uh I think it's right like you know I said Interstellar's number 1 and I probably have a couple that are just a step or two below. This is one of the films that is just a step or two below. Uh but yeah, I I I totally buy into all the relationships in this. I, they're yeah. They're just, they're, they're, everything is just top notch in this film.
2: And speaking of relationships, that phone call was from Joshi, uh, Lieutenant Joshi, played by Robin Wright. Oh, yeah. she's great. Have you guys she's ever seen a House of Cards? No. Yeah, I've heard that. Like, what else did Besides I?
0: Besides all the Kevin Spacey controversy with that, it, she's really good in it. Yeah. You know, I, I, it's, I'm not saying to go out and watch it if you, if you don't want to take in any content that Kevin Spacey's been a part of, that's, you're, you're well within your rights to do that. I'm just saying, I watched that before any of that came out, and I was unaware. And she is excellent in that in that show. Speaking yeah, of exactly. Kevin
1: Spacey, uh, the girl who plays Joy is in a movie with him as well, Baby Driver. She's oh my in god, Baby You're Driver! So yeah, yeah. Ah, I really she don't plays, like uh, Baby Driver. <laughs> I love that movie. She's John Hamm's girlfriend. That that movie oh, is like, that, oh my gosh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's
0: funny. That movie is totally propped up by.
2: For some reason, everyone loves the music in it because it's great. I love the music. In I think it's too. okay. I hate that. I hate it so much. That's again, like the, the reason I hate it is because that is exactly what. We, as students, did all the time. It is lazy, lazy filmmaking. Like, it's you're, you're making, you're not making something organic, like, oh, we got to keep this in beat. So that's, it's all in service of some, it's all to the point of something else, which I, I just really dislike.
0: Yeah. I, I was not a big fan of Baby Driver. But, oh, okay. uh,
2: yeah, it's, it's a fun technical challenge. It's just, it's just poor in concept.
0: As far as going through like scenes in this, I don't really want to do that. But we are approaching that scene where they do find out that Rachel is the, uh, rachel's bones are what was buried in that box That's yeah. who, like joshi calls him in to uh look at and coco's like doing the zoom ins and you see the serial number and that's when you come to the like is that when they come to the realization that she had a child because yeah because
1: yeah, they 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 see the scalpel marks before yeah, they see the serial that, number they're like then coco this, walks away yeah because he's like obviously this isn't uh replicate because there's they had yes, she died in her childbirth he's yeah.
2: very he's very sure about that so he
1: just leaves and then ryan Gosling continues to look in and
0: yeah. finds a serial number so yeah well i don't want to like dive into the narrative a ton in this that is a huge part of this because now you realize there there is a child born of a replicant and that's like the big problem in this future now is uh you're you're running out of like this workforce that's supposed to kind of expand and help humanity conquer the stars and everything and uh, that's that's where, like, Wallace comes in. He's trying to create replicants that can replicate on their own because he says, he's like, I can only make so many. So without diving too deep into the narrative, I think that's a really important scene. And then it kind of uh, vaults Kay onto this kind of uh, detective quest to solve, you know, where's this child now? And uh, there's, like, huge repercussions that come from that. And I think, uh, like you said, Joshi, Robin Wright's character, paints that really well. She's like, this breaks the world, Kay. Like, yeah. we can't... Th- this is based on... Humans being at one level and replicants being at a tier below them,
1: and if and they if, could have their own babies, then we are just murdering people. Exactly. Yeah. So mm. I
0: think that that catapults this movie. It makes it uh, uh, emotionally much more interesting. I think you're then really invested in this kind of detective work that Kay's going on, as opposed to the, the I guess detective work that Decker's going on. <laughs> that.
2: Yeah, and, and so it makes it different, like also emotionally, but also I think of it as a holy quest now. Sapper was saying at the beginning like you haven't seen a miracle it's Spinner it's Sapper <laughs> I know <laughs> I was so confused with that but I was like which one is it like holy shit no, it's, it's my fault <laughs> um, but, but that sets up right there we have that means that, that we have had an immaculate conception so for once we have a biblical reference before the first bi- in the first half of the film so we have we have that going on for us already so that's why I think the of this. The Messiah as a, is born. Exactly. Yeah. And, that's, that's the, and that makes so much more sense, like, why this is all happening. It's really not about um, this, uh, like, his objective or anything. Like, Joshi says it, it breaks the world because it really does. It's very, you can think of it almost like um, uh, the idea of, like, the, the Pharisees or Sadducees, like, when um, Jesus started uh, preaching in his, early on in his ministry. Like, this, this breaks the system. We can't have that. And so I, that's why I I love the the relationship with with him and Joshi, uh, him and Joshi, and Joshi is so important because she says one of the most important lines in the whole thing in the whole film where she says everyone's just looking for something real. Yeah, yeah, and which is funny that she says that because the only people that are actually looking for anything real are the replicants.
0: Yeah, no, you're so right. They they're just looking to be realized as just people. Yeah, I mean it's that's it. Like it's mm-hmm. it's such a basic desire to want to have to just be realized but it's there's so much pressure put on that and it's so uh that the that world can't handle it even though it's such a it's such a simple premise to just want to be known to want to be you but it's treated with such gravity in this film and i really love that Mm -hmm. like the idea of replicants being a person is still something that in in 2049 compared to 2019 which for the first film takes place that that kind of perception of replicants still hasn't changed at all yeah
2: yeah. They, they can't be people. Why why would you even think they could be people? Yeah. And they just they just want to be seen. And that's why I think like Joy is such a big character, um, and so important and why I look at her like as an anima expression, um, and so I'll read like something. I'm not going to jump too far up into the plot, but at one point she uh, she is killed or something. But she is like a product of the Wallace Corporation. So there is a moment where a giant version of her leans over and starts talking uh, uh, to Kay while he's walking Which in the street. She's got blue hair. Yeah. No pupils. Yeah, exactly, because she can be anything, like yeah. because yeah. of that. But what I love is like everything about Kay is boiled down to his relationship. Uh, with joy um and when you look at the inner dialogue it's all of the things that he wants from her love comfort the need to be real um and when she bends down and uh tells him like all of the things like uh oh, you look like you could be a good joe like you'd make a good joe yeah and that's what she his joy had given him the name and to realize then like oh she was a projection Of the things I wanted, she wasn't real, and I think the Jung books is so. This actually, I mean, this thing, this actually happened in my life. I think most of Jung is is bullshit, but there are there are times like this where if you allow yourself to understand that these things can be useful, they will resonate with you. And so he says that the projection of the anima, the uh, the collection of female um, ideas in your subconscious, the projection of the anima in such a sudden and passionate form as a love affair can greatly disturb a man's marriage and lead to the so-called human triangle, which you imagine the, like the moment where uh, uh, joy is actually superimposed over the prostitute. She is literally a projection put onto someone else. Yeah. And with, its, and with all of its accompanying difficulties. A bearable situation to such a drama can be found only if the anima is recognized as an inner power. The secret aim of the unconscious in bringing about such an entanglement is to force a man to develop and bring his own being to maturity by integrating more of his unconscious personality and bringing it into his real life. And that's exactly what happens. When he realizes that everything that he had with uh, uh, joy wasn't real, he he's i need to make something of myself i need to figure out how i actually fit in what my real purpose is and so i can have the things that i want no i think
0: that's so perfect again i always love when you bring carl jung into this because and i know you say like oh i just steal what he says and i just repeat it i don't i don't think that because i could read that stuff and i don't know that i'd match it up or line it up as well as you do so that's why i appreciate that you're on this podcast so much because you do you bring that different aspect to it and your little your little blurbs when you get off on Carl you they just,
2: they elevate this podcast. They exactly. they make us sound much, much smarter than we are. <laughs> I love it. Well, I'm glad. Yeah. But that's like, I think that, and that's why I think Joy is so, such a good, such a good character. Yeah.
0: I think leading up to when she gives Kay the name Joe, um, basically he's kind of come to the realization that his memories that have been, he thought were implanted into him might actually be real. And so he's starting to, again, this is kind of the slow ramp up to maybe him being this kind of this messiah, this, uh, he, he is the replicant or he is the person born from, uh, born from a replicant. And I think you get this really cool scene with, uh, with Anna Staline. Yeah. Dr. Staline. Dr. Staline, who she makes the memories for the Wallace Corporation for the replicants. And this is just, all of my favorite scenes of this movie are, are just Ryan Gosling kind of being emotional on screen or none of them are the action scenes at all and i'm not saying this is like an action movie but i think those are kind of the a lot of people look at those as like this is the showstopper this is the climax my favorite scenes are kind of a name for the most part and then they just build to this like really dramatic point and i love that yeah. scene where he's like looking at the memories and uh it's kind of being explained kind of this is what makes the replicants like real enough to function in society and she looks at his memory And he's like, I know it's real. I know it's real. And that's when he yells. He's just like, God damn it. Yeah. Kicks the chair and just walks out. I just love kind of the abrupt end to that scene. There's no like, you know, I'm sorry I did that or anything. He just, now he, in a sense, kind of lost this sense of self he had, which is interesting because as the kind of replicant that he is, he doesn't really have a sense of self. He's not a person. He's been told his whole life that he's not a real person. All of his memories are fake. So now that perception of his self has been shattered. And he thinks that he might be a real person. Yeah. And that's a weird way to to lose your sense of self by realizing that you do have, have a, sense a sense of, of self. self yeah. And I love that in this. Yeah, that, that's a cool. really dynamic, interesting question to introduce into this film. I
2: love it. Yeah. I love that that scene actually because there's when you when you go back and watch it again, once you realize that uh, Dr. Staline is actually the child, when he is looking in at the camera at that memory. Uh, he's experienced it, but when you when the camera cuts to her looking in through that little apparatus, reflected in the glass is actually uh, Kay behind her. So it's Kay looking down at her, looking at the memory, and she starts crying because oh, it's such a it's such a real memory. Um, you know, I feel so bad for you. But when you actually go back, it's like it's him looking at her, reliving her memories. Like he's actually like a product of her she's she's great in this that's uh
0: carla Carla jury she's she does a great job for as little as she is in this film uh, i think
2: she does excellent yeah probably yuri you know one one thing i do like i love about all of the women women characters is they're all they all have a really nice accent um sylvia hooks who plays uh love is dutch uh anna de armas is uh cuban and spent some time in spain carla yuri is uh swiss um that one lady uh uh, Hiyama Basses, or uh is her name uh, but she plays Fresa or Fresa the woman without the eye yeah oh she's a yeah she's uh yeah exactly yeah. I feel <laughs> she's so dumb a dumb jury now that now that it's coming out of my mouth
0: I'm like oh man why did I, that sounds really dumb yeah thanks if for, it's, no if thanks it's for Swiss, yeah, yeah no yeah. thanks for fixing that
2: yeah so I it's mostly the women though almost all of the guys seem to have almost no accent or like but i think of like again like it's that whole homogeneity like everybody is actually speaking a common language in this film but they all have slightly different accents so i think that actually again approves upon the original blade runner where other people are speaking different languages but nobody understands but i do like just the the number of accents whereas nobody had an accent um, that wasn't a, a really throwaway character in or that Original wasn't Blade like
0: Runner. like overtly Chinese and they like really had to or had a fez the fez hat yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> it it had to be very obvious by the way they looked that that that's how they got the accent so yeah exactly no you're right this is much more subtle and it it's cool because it gives a little it gives a little bits to each character to make them stand out a bit you know whereas I think you could see a lot of almost every character in Blade Runner is only stands out by how weird they act not Mm -hmm. by like any actual uh substance to their character you know
2: yeah exactly and then obviously in the plot you have you have joshi as you know this breaks the world and then on the other side of the conflict you have the whole wallace corporation that really wants to push into um this idea of uh replication of like replicants being able to procreate right and as a an archetype of that you have love uh who is like I mean, Wallace calls her an angel. She's literally an angel of death. So, I like her. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I do. I hate Jared Leto and everything that he does, but I do like her. <laughs> uh, yes, so my but- score will actually go dramatically down just because Jared Leto is in this movie. I think if you just ignore
0: him for a minute.
1: Can't hate him.
0: <laughs> uh, I do have problems with his character. It seems like everything that they wrote for him is supposed to be like really impactful, like really kind of gaudy. Set him up as this kind of almighty character. I think, that's, I think that's I know it's on purpose but it feels overdone to a point where I, I sort of don't take him seriously which uh, again I think might be the point is like he's he maybe thinks of his, himself as ascent above even humans so so of course he would speak in a way that you know sounds like more uh like uh, it, more biblical in a way it, it these sound like things that you would hear in a passage from the bible yeah. sometimes so I I think that they try to make him spartan up it sounds like whoever wrote his dialogue maybe just figured out what the the source is and they just kind of wanted to play up his dialogue a bit uh the best thing i like about him is his little eye robot yeah the camera things are sweet and i love their i love their the sound design around them the Mm -hmm. little clicking sounds i think they're great it almost sounds like they maybe have like a little echolocation type thing going on just the little Mm beats they send out
2: yeah. Yeah. And I do. I agree. I think he's more of a narcissist and that's why he's written in such a, a stock way. Like he's just repeating lines from the Bible because he sees himself as being some sort of uh venerated creator, you know, and th- this is where again, Blade Runner 2049 takes all of those references and really makes something of it. Like you have a guy here who is just so full of hubris and his own vision for what the world is and what yeah. life can be.
1: So we like we talk about a lot how Denis takes uh, genres of film and like he makes that genre he makes that movie way better than the other genre of that movie he literally mm-hmm. takes a film that was already made and just improves it yeah no dramatically d- d- that, and, that is but, yeah. an
0: excellent way to put it it's like this literally already exists and yeah. he just made a way like, better all
1: version. of the all of the problems that we had with Blade Runner he just fixes. Yeah, no, It seems like he's like, ah, oh, it's easy for me. Well, because yeah. we we
0: talked about Terrell in our commentary and how like it would make more sense uh, if he was like a replicant and you know like a replicant had ascended to like that kind of that god position that Terrell had, and that would give more depth to the replicants and kind of their abilities to ascend in society. Yeah, and then here you have um, Wallace is like now a god character, and you know you'll see how. Uh, replicants later on, they'll surpass him because the replicants are able to do something that he can't replicate. Yeah. And so that's ascending, that's them ascending to a position that he can't even achieve. So again, yeah, this is, this is, yeah, it's Denis Villeneuve recreating a film that already exists in a much more compelling, much better looking way mm-hmm. with, with characters and depth that
1: is much more expansive than what you see in the original yeah. film. It's like any movie that was supposed to be good or it could have been good that wasn't. Just give it to Denis. Let me hear. Give Green Lantern to the knee with Ryan Reynolds, and it'll be amazing.
2: I honestly i i think i know i think i know you're you're kind of joking. Yeah, it was am, so but bad. it would be really it good. Actually, I absolutely <laughs> agree. Yeah. I mean, what yeah. what I mean until he makes a bad film, like right now, he's like uh, he's like a Tarkovsky, he's like a uh, Stanley Kubrick. He hasn't made a bad film yet. Yeah. So yeah,
0: no, I know I I didn't give the greatest marks to Arrival, but that's not on him. Yeah, I, I like on his merit, he hasn't made a bad movie. So, do we want to move to Las Vegas and in the
2: introduction of uh, Deckard again? Well, yeah, let's 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 do that because I I mean, I, it seems more like a like a plot device. Honestly, I don't know why Deckard is in this film. I sort of think it was for the ticket help. sales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I, why I
0: think that's it. Same reason he was in Star Wars, dude. Because people people who are big fans of Blade Runner will be like, "Well, where's Deckard? Where's Harrison Ford? Like, I don't want to see this. Who's this? Who's this Gosling?" <laughs> uh, guy. Uh, yeah, my dad would be pissed. Yeah. If Harrison Ford all of our dads too. would be pissed. We we we've established in our commentary that all of our dads love Blade Runner. <laughs> uh but yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think d- d- he's pretty much and I don't want to say useless. I, I think he in, can enhance some parts of this movie,
1: but I he's not necessary for it at all. I I know you had said before that like it seems like Harrison Ford didn't really give a shit about this. Um, I didn't really get that from the way he portrayed his character. I think it's just funny to say because it, it just seems like lately he just kind of gets called
0: back into these remakes and reboots. Yeah. And he's just like, okay, I'll do it for a paycheck. Yeah. You, you're going to have to pay me way more than you expect. Yeah. And I, then I'll do it for like you. With the
1: Indiana Jones movie. Yeah.
0: yeah and like Star it's Wars. Bad. Yeah. yeah. It's like I just I just think he's, he's just coming in and it, it, this actually didn't feel like he phoned it in, but it's still like you can tell I think in a way it's like this is not really something he... I don't know, was... Well, I don't think his passion is acting anymore. I don't think he heard that Blade Runner 2049 was coming out. And he was like on the phone with Denis Villeneuve, like, can I be in this film? Yeah. Can you work me into the script? I think he might have been excited to be a part of it. Yeah. Finding out that he had a role. That he, did ex, it? he did He yeah. did
2: express, like, he wanted to make more movies in the Blade Runner uh, franchise. So this is actually one thing that he was excited about. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's... Um, and I think it's more just like I a... I think it uh,
0: shows in his... Uh, Above his baseline acting in this, so.
2: yeah, it is. He
1: he just does better than this in Star Wars. Yeah,
2: yeah, and I think that also like we we are probably um, attributing a lot of uh, whether or not he feels like grumpy Henderson Ford because he literally has been like a grumpy uh, dude, uh, ostracized from humanity, like hanging out in a, um, a hotel, just getting drunk for who knows how long on the lamb.: so. I love that he says that he's like, "Do you want a whiskey?" I have a
0: lot of whiskey. just uh, okay, a million bottles. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, it's pretty great. Um, Yeah, I I also, I kind of like the kind of booby traps he has set up and stuff. And yeah. Then, and then he just goes to punching away at, at Kay. And Kay just doesn't do
1: anything back. I don't want to hurt you. Kay literally thinks that this is his father at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. And I mean, like he is, like, whether or not he thinks that he, like, re- he really functions as a, as um, in a, in uh, a, one of my the not a literal term but like he's projected on as like being a, a father type or like an old man archetype 4k
1: yeah and the whole his whole explanation of like why he left and stuff i thought that was amazing writing at that point i love that too he's yeah.
2: like he, he's
0: like why'd you leave he's like because that was the plan yeah he's like the plan was for me to leave because he's like I, 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 me being around only draws more attention to it yeah. so i think you could have you could have written that in a much worse way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's clever because because then I think enough. a lot of, a lot of yeah. people would look back and be like, well, why wasn't Decker around for the the whole like this kind of building revolution within the replicant community? Yeah. Like, why wasn't he around? It's like, it, it makes sense why he wasn't there. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's it's clever enough writing to get him out of the story between 2019 and 2049. I think it's clever enough. Yeah, it is.
2: Yeah. And so when he does get there and they do have that shootout, I mean, again improving on the original that whole fight when they're in like the uh um the lounge area mm. i mean they're it's just like the the one with rucker howard they're they're uh playing around in the in the strobes and the flashing lights but
1: i could have done it out the elvis holograms and stuff like that
2: I actually love the sound design of that. like it. Cutting it. in and cutting I out. I did not
1: like it at all. But yeah. That's just me. Okay. I you know? not I didn't,
2: I didn't yeah. love it. I wish it would have been like a different music because okay, I Okay. That's
1: like the other thing. It's like, I'm fucking so tired of seeing Elvis Presley and things. Like fucking <laughs> stop. He was a weirdo. He was a pedophile and he died on the toilet. Leave him out of shit.
2: I guess.
0: Yeah. I guess I just like the, I like bringing the showy nature of Las Vegas mm. into this. Like this yeah. is. Okay.
1: Was I, did, I also didn't make that connection at all. I forget that. Elvis Presley was like yeah. such a huge part of Las Vegas. Oh
2: yeah, yeah,
1: and he is like staying in like a fucking casino yeah. thing. Okay, it, it builds to the aesthetic. of That Las does. Vegas, it, so. Okay, well, it makes sense. Then. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. it could. Still be, don't like yeah. it, but it should be Britney Spears up there with her Python. Like, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah.
2: that would, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, the hashtag pre Britney. That's like how. Like how. That's a how fascinating how are, like, bit that's going on. Uh, this uh, be, her dad stepped down, by the way. Oh okay. Well, yeah, that's yeah great. for like a two million dollar payout, right? Whatever. I mean, that's what. That's how that much I money, as far as yeah. Pretty, I know. It's so. just still so, okay. It's just such a weird saga. It's terrible, awful um, person. <laughs> but yeah, like so that I mean, there's a scene. That scene does not go on too long. It's very well shot, very mm-hmm. well paced. The cameras move around in interesting ways that aren't like clunky. There's a dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, and that's what I'm talking about, in that too. It's much more dynamic. The lighting's really fun in it. Having the little hologram in the background. There's just there's a lot going on in the scene that makes it enjoyable to watch. Where. I think in Blade Runner, you get just, you just get to strobe sometimes for yeah, no like, reason. I'm like, why? Why, are, yeah. why are you here right now? And,
2: yeah. And the music being diegetic instead of non-diegetic. There's no music playing, I think, otherwise because we're just focusing on how quiet and yeah. weird everything is. Yeah. And then all of a sudden Elvis, and it really allows the punch of the of the Elvis show distracting everything, like like what's going on. You get so much more tension out of all of the elements working here.
0: Yeah. And then we can skip ahead to, uh, Love has like tracked him down. Um, they end up taking Deckard away. Uh, that's where the scene that you mentioned earlier, uh, Calvin, where uh, Joy's little um, little projector stick has been crushed, and so mm-hmm. now uh, Kay's lost her. And this is when Kay is he gets rescued because that one prostitute he was with has put a little tracking device in him, and that's when he's introduced to kind of the, all the replicants who who are aware of this miracle that Kay didn't know about in the beginning of the film. And this is like kind of this devastating realization he comes to that he's not, he's not the one, like he's not this, uh, this, this immaculately born replicant son. You Especially
1: know? after you found the horse. Like we yeah. Like physically find that thing. Like there's, there's no way in your brain, like the, you know, like that's confirmed now.
2: That's yeah. Confirmed.
0: No, I. I yeah. the, my first time watching, it, I totally bought it. I, I yeah. was like, I was like, yeah, it is him. It yeah. must, like, it must be.
2: Yeah, and the film is treating it that way too. Like, remember when he went, st- he goes to the orphanage and he walks through all of those kids and they're touching him, like he's actually yeah. Jesus. Fucking like, weird. Man. Yeah, like an actual Messiah. And then when he gets there, um, and he meets all the rest of the replicants, and uh, he, he mentions what I, you know, these memories, and I like this idea of, so there's a, um. In theology, there's this idea called, um, especially Daniel Hill is um, uh, a philosopher of Christian theology that endorses this idea, this idea of sensus divinitatis, the idea that the sense of the divine is something given to us by God. It's implanted in us. That's what that feeling comes from. So the idea that these and why um, uh, Frisa says that we all thought that at one point they all have memories from Dr. Staline yeah. planted in them because she is the creator. Right, right. And I love that idea. That is, there is so much there.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think it's definitely a heartbreaking scene, but it's also like this really cool, like this realization. And like you said, later on, he feels like, oh, I can have a higher purpose. Like, yeah, I thought maybe I was this guy, but you know what? I'm still going to continue on after he sees joy again as like the really large projection and that's when he decides to go and uh, save Deckard.
1: And uh, even though he was told to kill him. Yeah, essentially, yeah. And so, so she's like, if you want this, if you, can, you led them to Deckard, you can't let Deckard lead them to me, so you have to kill Deckard. Yeah. So before that happens, I think there's a
0: really, there's there's a scene at the beginning and then a scene maybe around the middle where Kay's going through his baseline. And I know we've already talked about Kay a ton and how great his development is as a character. But I just, I just love this baseline that he goes through. Um, the kind of lines that he's repeating come from a, uh, a book called Pale Fire by Vladimir Nabokov. And mm-hmm. in that book, there's like a 999-line poem. And a couple lines are taken from that. And they're in the context of the character describing a near-death experience, which I think is appropriate because if Kay doesn't kind of pass these baseline tests they're going to hunt him down he's going to be retired because he's no longer functioning the way he should as a replicant and i i just love the kind of the bit of poem it's uh and blood black nothingness began to spin a system of cells interlinked within cells interlinked within cells interlinked within one stem and dreadfully distinct against the dark a tall white fountain played and that's kind of the that's kind of the lines he's given you know he says like you know with cells interlinked and he repeats that back and then when you hear that baseline again it goes further into that poem from the book and because he's starting to fail the baseline. And so they need to kind of extend it to see like what's going wrong with him. And that's when you realize like those lines in themselves are describing like, does he care about being interlinked or caring about other people or expanding beyond what he should as a replicant. Yeah. And when he is failing the baseline the second time, it's like, you know what, uh, thinking about like your fingers interlinked, uh, with the one you love. And so he's, he's kind of drifting away from that kind of sense of doing his duty every day. And he is caring more about kind of the people around him. And, uh, I, I just think it's captured really well, like him failing that second baseline and just the continuation of that poem. It just like, it really builds his character in kind of a, a quick little bit of scenes. I think it's wonderful.
2: And I, I just love the writing of that. Mm. Yeah. And also like compared to how, <sighs> Rather dumb, I think, think the voight Kampf test is in the original Blade Runner.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we talked about, uh, like, comparing those two. Because this is a test of someone they already know is a replicant. And it's basically make sure that they stay a replicant, you know? That they're still following kind of their uh their It structure. actually makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that one is trying to figure out if they're a replicant or not. But there's so many visual hints in yeah. the movie Blade Runner to tell you that they're a replicant. And there's no
1: eye yeah. eye differences The little shimmer in their yeah. eye
0: yeah that's not in this film because it doesn't make sense yeah because it, yeah. it doesn't make any sense you don't need no. the void contest if you can just look at their eye yeah mm-hmm. but then so. they
1: do still have a serial number i mean on their eyeball
0: which actually makes sense so they just they just go to the source and figure yeah. out if you're a replicant or not there's no void contest yeah they just yeah. they just they just stick the uh, little light in and k looks at a at a i'm gonna say it wrong poppers spinner no speller no I can't Saffir. tell. Sapper. Sapper, I know. I honestly can't go. tell. You're no, no, just trying to push my buttons
1: now. <laughs> no, no. You, uh, Spooner.
0: <laughs> so, but yeah. So, they just skipped the whole Voight contest and that because yeah. it doesn't make any sense, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. It never did. Uh, but, yeah. So, sorry. I kind of I kind of brought us back in the timeline a little bit. It's but, fine. But, I, I love yeah. that uh, that baseline test. I think it, it speaks so much to, like, Kay as a character and, like, his transition he's made from the beginning of the film to a little bit later on where now yeah. he's... You can tell his character has changed because... He has more of a self-realization. Yeah, yeah. So of course he'll fail the baseline because he thinks he's a person now. It's yeah. so like
1: obviously baseline tests are very strange. They're very weird. Like right. you don't have knowledge of this poem or whatever the fuck you were just talking about. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I just think it's lovely no, writing. No, it's, it's awesome. It's it, cool that there's yeah. actually material behind that. I think yeah. that's great. Um, but uh, just like in Blade Runner, I don't mean to keep like referencing and dogging on this other movie or whatever, but like. Everything in there is weird for the sake of being weird. Like, this is weird for a purpose. Yeah. And it makes sense.
0: Well, and I don't even think it's bad to keep referencing later. I mean, they're in the same continuity. Yeah, they are. I mean, mean, if you watch a Marvel movie, you reference other Marvel movies with it. So it's not not wrong to
1: No, yeah, I understand what you're saying. It's
0: just, it's very clear that one film is better than the other is all.
2: Yeah. And then with that, though, like, now he's so far off baseline. And then we get to the end scene where he's literally fighting against love he's literally wrestling with his shadow self you know the one that wants to kill deckard the one that wants to i mean she even says it she um i'm the best one i'm the best one that line right there i was like oof yeah exactly
1: Uh, i thought that he bought it for a second he's like yep fuck it yeah. Like he's going to die on the yeah. waterfront yeah. there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But it's so great because it says, like, again, like, even though she's doing all of the things a replicant is supposed to do, she wants to be seen. She wants to be real. She yeah. wants to be as human, more than human, uh, uh, in um, uh, Wallace's eyes. Well, I, that's a bad pun, but um, in Wallace's, yeah. like, <laughs> <what>? <laughs>
1: Wallace's bloody camera things.
0: <laughs> no, but I, I do love kind of her buildup. Uh, she's like terrified of Wallace like it, yeah again just a great bit of acting it's like he'll he'll say some I, like line that's like sounds kind of innocuous but you know has this really threatening tone beneath it mm-hmm. and she just like will let one tear out
2: it's just a great bit of acting
1: yeah she did wonderful in this movie yeah I'm a big fan of her character
2: yeah I love how like she's just so brutal too yeah like she actually, the like, way that she kills Coco is fucking awesome. Dude. Yeah, she's
1: like, she's like oh, I got the paperwork right here. Don't worry. And just comes up and just karate chops in the back of the neck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's why absolutely why Sam Deckard is a replicant because people people die when they get hit by replicants. Like they don't <laughs> yeah. they don't get to get thrown across yeah. the room and be like, uh, I'm bruised. <laughs> so
0: I, I guess just speaking to why you said Deckard must be a replicant, um, Ridley Scott came out and said that. Deckard was a replicant and uh, Harrison Ford had a big problem with that. Uh, and I think that this movie kind of retcons some of that when Wallace uh, tells Deckard, when he's reintroduced to like the new version of Rachel, he's like, you know, like, were you designed to fall in love with her? Did you do it on your own? Like, are you, it, it, it builds up kind of it reintroduces, I think that ambiguity to his character, if he is human or a replicant. Again, I think in the, uh, based on what happened in Blade Runner like you said he, him getting absolutely demolished by replicants and still getting up it would make more sense if he's a replicant but I like that they kind of retcon what that is because I think Deckard is much more interesting if you don't know what he is so my whole so thing I like with, yeah okay. I like reintroducing him as kind of not knowing you know who's who right here
1: so my whole thing with like uh Wallace's line there or whatever so I thought he was speaking of like creationism mm-hmm. it was my point it was like were you designed to fall in love with it like like by God like genetically like you're designed to fall in love with the female. But I think yeah. of,
0: but I think of Wallace in that situation is he thinks he's
1: God. That's so what I'm saying. He's comparing himself to his creator as well. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's what I got from that. Yeah. Okay. There's a, like, lot, there's a I, level
2: of human ab- ambiguity, whether or not you're like, whether you're a replicant or a human, the question is the same.
1: Yeah. It's like, my whole thing is like, I never really saw Harrison Ford as, as a replicant in the original Blade Runner or in this, who you guys mentioned it. Um, like, yeah, he gets beat up by replicants. So I was like, oh, that's just bad 80s movies.
0: Yeah, that's just the
1: movies. Yeah. The
0: and, uh,
1: again, I that's think just. I've never, never got that because, yeah. like, they have four years to live. He's obviously like, old as fuck now.
0: Yeah, I think that's just people who had a lot of time to think about this movie. Yeah. In the 25 years between the, uh, the original release and then the final cut coming out. Yeah. It's a long time for people to come up with theories on that movie. And so I understand the idea of Deckard being a replicant is an idea that came out. I just kind of hate that it was confirmed because I just think he's much more interesting if you don't know.
1: Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, don't don't ruin movies like that, rhythm. Yeah. Scott.
0: Stop it. Well, because okay, if he's a replicant, we'll move into the the kind of fight scene that takes place on the waterfront that we were talking about. They've okay. uh, um, shot down the ship that Love is in, carrying uh, they're going to carry Deckard off world because they're going to torture him because Wallace has said like, oh, you don't know pain yet, uh, which is just again, it's just a, a just a line to make him sound really powerful, you know. Um you thought maybe Kay was going to think that, oh, maybe I'm not the best. Yeah. Maybe I'll just lay here and die. But he dives in after him. And I just think it's a really great scene. I think if Deckard was a replicant, wouldn't he have just torn the... Yeah, or absolutely. Unless he was designed to be a weaker replicant, I guess. Or designed
1: to think he's not a replicant, yeah. and doesn't have
0: that confidence. Yeah. But I think that's just a... I love kind of the... There's like a juxtaposed lighting in that scene because it, it'll be very dark at some points. And then they get into the vehicle and it's so... it's Bright white light. Yeah, I I love the dynamic of the of the different shots that take place in that fight. I think it's really interesting. Again, it's just great camera work. You know, I
1: think the the way he killed love could have been better. But oh, I
0: think it's a brutal. I love it. I, I thought I mean, it was just kind I of don't silly. like. I mean, I don't love people being killed in a <laughs> horrifying way. But I think it's really it's it's i think while she's being drowned she's like having that realization that she's like not the best which yeah. is like it's not only like it's tough to watch but it's also tragic for her character to be like oh man i can't i can't beat him like yeah not only has she she failed at what she thought she was her purpose was like she's failing wallace like yeah she's failed at like every aspect of her character at that point it, it's like it's kind of a tragic sort of sympathy for a, essentially a really bad person
1: like <laughs> i get that like by the whole thing of like him just like come up like frankenstein's monster and just like grabbing by the throat and like picking her up. i was like this just seems fucking silly to me <laughs> like he she could just like knock his arms away she's also super strong like it's just it felt weird to me
0: i think he didn't get to have his dramatic hero moment by being the son of uh replicant birth so this is yeah. kind of like that character's moment to yeah, be a savior. I get all
1: that. I'm just I just yeah. wish that it would have happened in a different way. Yeah, it's my no, whole thing. No, but like, it. it's still worth it. The scene's still great. Like him drowning her is awesome. I just don't like when he picks her up. When yeah. comes out of the water.
0: I also love that he has to be saved at the end of that. Yeah, like uh, the the mm-hmm. vehicles kind of washed out. Harrison Ford or uh, Deckard's made it to the to the edge of the water. And he has to go back and grab Kay. I, I yeah. kind of I kind of like so,
1: that. Joe.
0: Joe. <laughs> so, what do we think of? basically kind of the closing scene of this Awful. where uh, where Deckard's gonna meet his daughter yeah I think it's
1: also terrible
0: I'd love to know why because I I, I don't I don't have any problem
1: with it so I, just to begin with I have issue with her being the messiah premise anyways I don't like that um <clears throat> I get like the whole thing like she's creating the memories and that's where they come from like that's really neat I saw like her being locked up like that and then her being that character was just super strange she's working for Wallace why don't they know that she's a replicant like Even though she's not really a replicant. She doesn't have a serial number or anything like that. Right. She's not like a replicant,
0: but... Yeah, but being born of replicants, how would they... It's like hiding right under their nose. Well, she's
1: half-replicant. if Harrison Ford is his dad. Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. So in order to give replicants give birth, they need actual semen. I'm confused by that, too.
2: I mean, they're like a biological being. Yeah, I understand that, but... uh, But probably made sterile, or if they even uh, have emissions at all.
1: Well, the way that they made Rachel, like he said in the first one, it's like, she's an experiment. She's different, yeah. So maybe she was like made to be able to give birth. Yeah,
0: no, I think that there's, I think that there's enough hints that you could take it seriously that she yeah. gives birth. Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. I just, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, just, I find it kind of cheesy and boring. Okay, yeah. yeah. Like I, I, I like th-
2: the idea. What were you saying? I just wish it would have ended before this. Yeah, so. I wish. Yeah, I wish it had it ended before it as well. Because yeah. I like the open-ended idea of like a child creator. um, existing like it leaves more for the viewer to chew on and you know i i would kind of agree like i like the idea like just because of the the census the the vanathoss that 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 kind of thing is interesting to me but i also do think that she it would have been better if it was some other character yeah um so to me like it just feels it feels like we get manufactured emotion like it's it's as shallow as it is hollow and there's not a lot of build-up to it like we don't really like harrison ford does not i mean uh sam decker does not care about his child like as a person but as literally as an archetype like this is the the type of savior thing for replicants if we allow uh her to live like that so the fact that we're that he's suddenly like happy to see her is very contrived
1: to yeah me. By the where I wanted the movie to end is when Ryan Gosling is laying on the stairs. I wish it would have stopped right there. Yeah, because yeah. it's all
2: about him anyways. Yeah. Well, I mean, that is where the
0: movie ends, just right before that he says, go see your daughter.
1: Yeah, well, I thought, I'm be a little confused here, because I thought he said that, then he lays down the stairs, and then you see the scene with Harrison Ford. Yeah. Oh,
0: okay. No, you are that right. That might be right. I might oh, be no, no, right. no, 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 you are right. I I was the one who said Yeah, because I have no problem with him saying, go see your daughter. Like, this is a, a classic splinter spiller spinner (laughs) scenario for me no I got I got mixed up on that one no you are right um I guess the reason I'm I I think it's a a cool emotional scene is it's I like the I just like the kind of subversion of like in a movie like this you would expect K to be like the hero like this 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 messiah and this and I love that it's a character who like is too weak to even leave the world is the is kind of the hero of this story um, and I love that in a way, it's like she has given life to every replicant by creating these memories. And so she is kind of the catalyst that started this whole revolution, maybe without even realizing it. Like she started this whole thing. And so I, I, I think it's a nice payoff to have them meet at the end. I, I think it's it's worthwhile. And I, I like that, like I said, Decker says earlier that the, the plan was for him to leave. So I think he probably does care. He just he just was never connected to her because he, he couldn't be. Yeah. And so I, I do like, I, I do like the payoff at the end. Uh, I, I just kind of like the culmination of, of that, uh, of, uh, Deckard's daughter's character. And, yeah. and I think that she deserves to have like that closure with Deckard. Yeah. So that's why I like that scene. But I also think it would have worked out just fine if it just ends with K on the stage. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Though. Yeah. I think, it I, I think you, it you, you're, you both right. It, it probably could have been fine not being in there. Oh, like,
1: uh, there's been worse scenes in movies like don't get me wrong like especially in that aspect of like hey this family's funny meaning it's gonna be this huge joyous moment or whatever but but I also like
0: that there's not like there's no dialogue between no them. it's he not which is good yeah so I like that they they kept it subtle it would have been I, I would have had a problem if then it was like a, a she runs up with like tears in her face like dad I always knew you'd come back and <laughs> I always knew you care and he's like I never stopped caring like
1: so do you think she actually would've... has like a weak immune system or do you think that's all bullshit so she stays there Cause that's what I thought. I didn't think she, that that's a that rage. was any that that was real. Because if she actually has a weak immune system, then that creates problems with replicants having children. In my brain, that's an interesting
0: idea. Because mm-hmm. what if she is staying on purpose to keep creating these authentic memories? Do you think memories, that she knows or... that
1: she's the messiah, lady? <laughs> the, that's that's where yeah. I'm. I'm getting confused here. Because I thought, like, my whole thing was like she had been lied to and she being kept here. So I think there's
0: there's an ambiguous nature to the first film. Yeah. That again, I think Denis Villeneuve does better in this yeah, one. Yeah, because this ends with a really ambiguous. Now I have all these it. questions. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's what makes this film so fascinating yes. uh, based on just its ending. So, I, I again, I, I love that there's no dialogue at the end, and I do. I think that you, you're left leaving with a lot of questions.
1: Okay, I hate it less like, now, yeah. but I still yeah. don't like it.
2: Yeah. yeah. So, and the other thing, the other problem that I have with this ending too is, it's it's the way that they've, all of the the characters uh, played by women are treated. Like, all women are agents of a man's desires or objectives. Joy is sex for Kay. Love is Wallace's angel of death. Rachel is the birth mother. Dr. Staline, despite being a literal creator, is an emotional plot device. For the full character arc of Deckard.
1: What about uh, uh fuck uh the other cop lady?
2: Joshi. Yeah. Also have a problem with her because the there's there is a there's an opportunity to upend that. You know, there is some kind of dynamic there. She actually dies for him, but there's one uh one scene where she asks uh um Kay, like what happens if I finish that, pointing at the bottle of vodka i actually love that scene yeah we
0: kind of skipped over that i I actually that's really i love that part
2: yeah and it's i mean i to me it implies like they would have sex yeah because she she says i forget that you are one of them but i think that the setup the setup for that is so subtle and the implication of it is even more subtle that a few viewers will really catch that part and i feel like it was there was probably something cut there because Otherwise, you're creating nuance around their relationship that would probably be confusing in um, in regard to the main plot. So that's, again, like, it's she, but she ends up sacrificing herself trying to uh, keep him safe. So, again, like, none of the women uh, really serve any, any, any individual role. Like, I am uh, a person and I am doing this for me.
0: That's an interesting way to put it. I, I don't think of it that way. I haven't thought about that way until you've said it. Uh, because I just think that these are all pretty fleshed out and interesting characters to watch. That I never really thought of them as being in the service of like a male character, but that's a that is a poignant thing to bring up. I, well, I, I think that that's a good point.
1: I think that every character besides K is in service to K in this film. Maybe but, but,
2: besides Wallace, but Deckard. Yeah, Wallace. Wallace is trying to conquer the stars, and Deckard is looking for his daughter. Like they're all, you know. They're all doing things for themselves.
1: But Decker is just another part of Kay's mission and love is just an obstacle in between Kay and his mission, is the way that I view it at least. Yeah. It's like love is less connected to Wallace, even though like that is like her premise, like she's trying to please him constantly. Because I view this movie through Kay's perspective as like that's more of an obstacle to Kay. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and but again, like it's 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 her main motivation is being is trying to be seen by, by Wallace. Wallace. Yeah. So that's what, that's why I say it that way. Yeah. Be seen by Wallace. What? I know. I keep saying. That. <laughs> <laughs> so one other problem I have with the, with the film is that while I love, uh, all of the biblical references, like some of the anf- answers feel force fed and it seems like it's the studio's goal of being able to satisfy everyone who sees the movie. Like, um, The the film itself is trite and rather contrived, like in terms of its plot. Um, Like uh, it's a vehicle for the biblical themes. In this way, the film is not it's not an allegory because the references are so obvious and surface level that we see the plot and the allegorical structure as being indistinct the the film loads us with references but it's explicit as to what everyone's symbolic function is and that symbolic function is also their literal function there's so there's no depth there and so the joy piecing all of the clues together is wasted because we're told that the allegory is the point of the plot. That's one thing that there's not, there's not a lot of depth in here like there is with Enemy, like we have to learn things. Like right, right. It just literally tells you what that, and as long as you know what that thing is, what that thing that reference in the Bible is, you understand what's going on.
0: I, I get that, and I might just be a dumb, dumb stupid because I, I don't know that I really, I, I guess I just, I was so distracted by the look of this movie that maybe I wasn't like picking up on all that. I mean, I do understand there's like obvious Messiah references in this, but Mm -hmm. I I don't know that I grabbed all the biblical references that you're describing. So that didn't like take away from any of this for me. But I do, I do understand your point now that we've talked about it and, you know, and I'll I'll take that into my next viewing of this. It's just what I, I I just find so wonderful about having these conversations with you guys because now I get to look at this movie totally different the next time I watch it. So, Mm -hmm. so now are we ready to move to final thoughts? Yeah. All right, Jaden, how many, uh, wooden horses would you give this?
1: Um, wooden horses. Uh okay. Um it's a little sculpture. It's a great it's So it, typically it's, I probably yeah. would have given this like an 8.1 or an 8.2. Um but Jared Little brings us down so much. I'll give it uh
0: 7.6. I hate that just because he exists in this film it knocks it down for you cuz I don't think he's like acting bad in it, but I do understand that I just hate him. Him as a person. I just I just disagree with. I think you can separate the art from the artist sometimes.
1: That's fine. Um but I won't do that here. i'll still listen to michael jackson (laughs) (laughs) yeah
2: it just depends like five finger death punch absolutely not but music is also terrible so yeah exactly roman polanski (laughs) (laughs) all right kevin what do you think of this one um yeah like like i said like i i think this is probably denise's second best film i think there is so much uh, and i i didn't mention it because um it just doesn't fit. It didn't fit with the rest of the conversation. But when he walks into the uh, the archivist's um, building and he's at the that uh, the reception desk. Oh yeah. That shot. The angles. That we're playing with here yeah. of the just the slit that comes in, but that corner of it is right on the left side of the frame. You it see, like is, that
0: sort of water reflection. Those every scene that uh, takes place in like kind of that. Uh, uh, no, there wasn't. Building.
2: The, no, 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 oh. there wasn't water reflection in this one. It's like a glow oh, strip. Oh no, you are right. Yeah, and that is the lines and how that whole thing is lit is. And it, it like um, slowly shuts. I don't think so. Or it slowly opens. No. The, so. Every scene in that building is like secretly
0: really dynamic. There's something yeah. going on in the background of every one of those scenes. We kind of skipped over that, but yeah, you're 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 right. That that just adds to the beautiful aesthetic of this film.
2: Yeah. So I give it I'm giving it uh eight point four wooden horses because again it, it improves upon uh the original in every way, but it I don't think that the uh um, the subtext is as deep as it as it wants it to wants it to be. But the acting is great. The look of it's great. The music's great. There's just so many things to love here. Yeah. Uh,
0: I think our reviews of Denis Villeneuve films are bookended by two amazing films. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Enemy is this amazing like uh, introduction into the into like psychology use in film. And this is just a culmination of uh, uh, wonderful acting, uh, wonderful score, uh, beautiful cinematography. And uh, I, I put this at a nine nine out of ten i wonder how does that do you have my enemy score pulled up? because i'd love to book any of these with nines
2: uh it's a nine
0: there we go perfect that's exactly <laughs> what i wanted uh i am very excited to see dune uh look forward to that uh podcast coming out here in the next couple weeks uh and then uh, i guess looking forward after this we got a we got october coming up so we got a bunch of horror
1: spooky season yeah. spooky season
0: but uh very excited for that Mm -hmm. i just want to thank you guys a ton for humoring me through this uh this uh director's filmography i i just i love his films even the ones i don't love so much i find to love in a different way uh it's been fun to like uh reconnect and explore these in a different way than i had before so thanks so much for joining me on this you guys this is this is awesome for me thanks for letting me take up like six episodes
1: (laughs) it wasn't can, that many honestly we can
0: yeah. and then we'll, we'll we'll branch out and we'll, we'll we'll find some other films now but this was just a this was a ton of fun for me so i really appreciate getting to go through these you guys is a lot of fun
2: yeah absolutely yeah. thanks so, for having me back
0: yeah so with that uh <laughs> i'm your host connor i have my co-host Jaden and former guest calvin and
2: again thanks for having me back <laughs> so,
0: and thank you for listening to now this is podcasting